Every time we profess the creed at Mass or with the Rosary, we say we believe in the resurrection of the body. Of course, you won't be surprised that this is a central theme, not only of the Church's life always, but of the Easter season. So today I want to talk about the resurrection of the body. So as an introduction and a way to begin, I was recently reading an interview of the abbot of the Benedictine Monastery at Norcia in Italy. Now this is the place, the town where was born the great father of Western monasticism, St. Benedict. So it's not surprising to find Benedictine monks there. But however, you might be surprised to know that this monastery on the site of the birth of St. Benedict and his sister St. Scholastica was only reopened in the year 2000 and by a group of American Benedictines who came to open the monastery again 200 years after Napoleon Bonaparte had closed it down. So it has an interesting history, not only stretching back to St. Benedict, but recently as well. The current abbot is Cassian, and in the interview, Abbot Cassian was asked to describe the monastic way of life. And he described it as very plain, and I quote his words. He said, Monks get up in the morning, they pray, they do their work, they pray some more. They eat, they pray, they do some more work, they pray some more, and then they go to bed. It's rather plain, just like most people. And isn't Abbot Cassian correct? Mostly our lives are plain and repetitive, aren't they? So the big question that confronts us regularly in the midst of this repetitive rhythm of life is how do we live our lives and make sense of who we are and what is happening. Well, there are many small human ways we do that, through our loved ones particularly, and the things that help us to see the beauty of life and the beauty of the world. But there has to be more than that, because we need more than that. The answer to the big question about our lives has come to us from God the Father, who has revealed to us that Christ is the lens through whom we make sense of everything, particularly through the lens of his resurrection. The Gospel reading of this Sunday's Sacred Liturgy provides us with a profitable reflection on what the resurrection of Christ was like particularly as the apostles and disciples experienced it. Remember that we share in Christ's resurrection through holy baptism, so what his resurrected self is like is the key to understanding not only who we are now, but what we will be in the future, in the state of resurrection.
So the first thing to say is that Christ after his resurrection is not a ghost. He has a body and he can eat and be touched with human hands. Human ears can hear his voice and human eyes can see him. He is no ghost or apparition. He is real. It is a resurrection in the flesh. So switching to us, it's right to say that when our body and our soul are reunited in the resurrection, whenever that happens according to the Father's plan, nothing essentially human will be lessened or will be lost. Although the body dies and turns to dust, it is not lost. Unlike the ancient Greek philosophers, and some people even today, we know that the body is not a prison for the soul, so that it has to be cast off to be ultimately free. No, in the resurrection, my body and my soul, your body and your soul, will be more perfectly united than they are now. In this life there is conflict between them. The desires and the passions of the body often swamp the soul and stain it with sin. But the resurrected body will be completely in harmony with the soul and perfectly united to it, such that our existence will be pure bliss and beautiful because we will be completely in the presence of God, who is all beauty and all joy. This harmony between soul and body will only be possible because it is my soul and my body united, your soul and your body united. I do not get a generic one-size-fits-all resurrected body. It is this body that I know now, and that if you were here you would see. It's this body that is resurrected. And because it's my body, it will be a male body that is resurrected. And if you are female, it will be a female body. The sexual difference that's needed in this world for procreation will be resurrected but it will not be needed for procreation, but will be needed for that genuine personal interconnection that is heaven. There we will experience virginity in all its glory and beauty. And this is why the Church treasures consecrated virginity and ordained celibacy now, because it points in this world to the reality of the next. This resurrected body of ours will be so in harmony with our soul, or our spirit, if you like to call it that, such harmony will be there that the body and the soul will be permeated by the Holy Spirit of God. And this will happen in such a real and experiential way that we can even speak of a divinization of the human body. This means that in our body we will participate in the divine nature of the Holy Trinity. 
Now this is possible in this life, but not fully, and only very briefly. Very briefly in the body and the soul, through the reception of Christ's sacred body, blood, soul and divinity in Holy Communion. It does not last. But in the resurrection, this divine indwelling in our bodies and in our souls will be permanent and eternal. Because we were made for God, this will be our everlasting joy to be in this state of existence. It's also good to remember that all this indwelling of the Holy Spirit in this life is never full or complete, even though we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism and through confirmation. The Holy Spirit abides in our soul, but it's not complete. But in the resurrection it will be complete and permanent in body and soul. Lastly, let us remember that the resurrection of the body, Christ's resurrected body, was experienced many times by St. Peter and the eleven apostles before the ascension. It was experienced by St. Paul on the road to Damascus in his blinding conversion, and by many, many other disciples at least once. So when we speak of the resurrection of the body, we're not talking about a philosophical idea or even a theological idea. And neither are we talking about a group delusion or hysteria. We are talking about a reality, although it is a reality that defies the limits of time and space and geography. Because it is a reality, then we can truly pray, as we did in the collect of today's Mass, that we may look forward in confident hope and and rejoicing to the day of resurrection. And we can do that precisely because of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead and is now in glory in heaven. The Lord has truly risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.